Tom's famous quick relief for acid indigestion presents A Date with Judy. Hello? Hello, Judy. This is Oogie. Oogie. Oogie, dear. My own beloved Oogie. Huh? Oogie. The man who makes my heart sing with just a glance. The man who makes each moment spent with him a thrilling adventure. But, Judy, just this morning you said I was a pot. A P-O-T pot. I know, dear one. But that was this morning and before I talked to Tootsie Whiteman. Oh, really? What did Tootsie say? She said that you were the most fascinating man in town. Oh, wow. Well, Tootsie's been out with college men. So if she saw you in that light... Yes. Well, Jeepers, you must have something. That's Judy, folks. Judy Foster, the lovable teenage girl who is close to all our hearts. Your date for the Reach Tuesday is arranged for by the makers of Tums, famous quick relief for acid indigestion. Well, let's see what's happening at the Foster house. Judy's parents and her kid brother Randolph are in the living room when the front door opens. And Judy was never so... Absolutely revolted in my whole life. Judy, what's the matter? Oh, Mother, it's unfair, despicable, and completely, completely iconoclastic. Whatever that means. <laughs> For heaven's sake, Judy, what's bothering you? What's bothering me? Oogie's orchestra has been evicted. That's what's bothering me. Evicted? From where? From his father's garage. Oh. <laughs> what a shame. That seemed like such a good place for them to practice. Well, yes, it was built of good, solid concrete. It looked like it could stand anything. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Couldn't the Pringle car take the vibration? The neighbors objected. They threatened to have Oogie's father arrested for disturbing the peace. Well, I'm not surprised. When Oogie and those pan-pounders of his start booming, it sounds like all... Tut, tut, father. Like all the fire engines in town let loose at once. <laughs> that was a neat recovery. It's absolutely the worst time it could have happened. Why? Oogie is trying out this week for the BSTPFTBSP. <laughs> the what? The BSTPFTBSP. Oh, that! <laughs> what the devil is it? Why, Father, the band selected to play for the big senior prom, of course. Well, surely you guessed that, Father. Oh, Natch. <laughs> and if he's going to win, he simply got to practice. Boy, I'll say. Poor Oogie. Imagine it. His family, his own family, turning him out of house and home. I thought you said it was the garage. <laughs> the principle is the same, Randolph. But I told him not to worry. I told him that everyone else might turn against him, but he could always count on me. I'm sure that cheered him. It did. He was very grateful to Father, too. Grateful to me? He was? Yes. He says he never realized until I told him what a staunch admirer of his music you were. I am? I mean, uh, well, yes, yes, of course. I, I've always thought that Oogie had the makings of a great musician, uh, given a little encouragement. 
also given a little talent. <laughs> he thanks you sincerely from the bottom of his heart. Oh, that's all right. Melvin Foster is always glad to lend a helping hand. He says he doesn't know another person who would support him like you do. Yes, sir. Help your friends, I always say. And he promises faithfully that the boys won't practice later than one o'clock. Well, that's all right. <laughs> practice? Where? Why, here, Father, if we take out the couch and the big chair, this room will be large enough for the whole orchestra. Now, just a minute. Judy, do you mean Oogie's bringing his orchestra over here to practice tonight? Yes, Mother. Oogie's father is going to be arrested for disturbing the peace if he practices in their garage, so he's coming over here to practice in our living room? Why, yes, Father. Judy Foster, you go to that telephone and call Oogie Pringle this minute. You tell him if he so much as scrapes one violin string in this house tonight, I will personally... But, Father! Yes, sir, Melvin Foster is always glad to lend a helping hand. <laughs> but, Father, what is Oogie going to do? The tryouts are Saturday. Oh, Melvin, I guess one night wouldn't do any harm. Well, no, we aren't speaking to the neighbors anyway. <laughs> no. Positively, no. Tonight, I must flatly refuse. Tonight, I have other plans. Really, Melvin? What other plans, Father? I'm going to bed. <laughs> and I am going to bed at 7.30. Now, there's a big evening. Oh, jeepers. Well, Melvin, don't you feel well? I feel fine. But uh, tomorrow morning, I, uh, uh, well, I have to meet a very important customer who's coming in on the 5.15 train. 5.15? That's practically dawn. Yes, yes. And it's uh, very important that I make a favorable impression. So if there's one thing I'm determined about, it is that I am going to get a good night's sleep. I am not going to be disturbed by some, some kettle drum screeching, uh, beat me, daddy, seven to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, Father. I'm terribly sorry I even mentioned it. I'll call Oogie right away. Tell him I'm sorry. Oh, don't worry about it, Father. Oogie wouldn't dream of bothering you tonight when you need your sleep. Well, all right. I'll just tell him to come tomorrow night. Don't for the love of heaven. Uh, Father. Yes, Randolph? I've got a message for you from Mr. Evans at the plant. Evans? Oh, oh, come on in, Randolph. I was just ready to hop into bed. Into bed? Uh-huh. With your hunting boots on? My, uh, <laughs> well, Randolph, what do you know? I got my boots on. <laughs> Think of that. Yes, Father, I am. Yeah, you know, I just happened to notice them tonight in the closet, and I, I hadn't worn them in such a long time. I, I thought I'd take them out and see if they still fit. You uh, just happened to notice them in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, isn't it, how something would be right in front of you for months, and you'll never even see it, and then for no reason at all, you... Uh, you, uh... Yes, Father? Yeah. <laughs> Randolph, sometime in the course of events, you, too, will become men. So they tell me. And when you do, you'll understand that there are some things you just can't explain to a woman. Like going duck hunting? Randolph, how did you guess? I didn't. Mr. Evans told me. Oh, and he said that when you go down to the plant for your gun in the morning, you're not to worry because the safe is empty. Safe empty? Randolph, you mean it's been robbed? No, painted. Oh. 
<laughs> Mr. Evans said they moved the securities to the bank vault so the safe could be left open to dry. Oh, you had me worried for a minute. Well, Father, you don't have to start worrying until Mother finds out you're going duck hunting. Now, look, Randolph, I assure you I had every intention of telling your mother tomorrow night where I've been. I just didn't want to mention it beforehand because, uh, uh well, because. Well, you remember last time. Now remember, no ducks. Yeah. <laughs> and she was quite upset. See, she'd invited the Emersons for duck dinner. And... and you came home with poison ivy instead. Uh, yes. Not to mention the faint aroma of skunk. All right, Randall. <laughs> but I uh, just thought it would be better not to say anything ahead of time. All right. But, Father... Yes, Randolph. Uh, now that I know why you're getting up so early tomorrow morning, uh, don't you think... All right, alone? Scrooge. <laughs> Will a dollar be enough? Uh, no. Two? No, uh, I'd like to go hunting with you. All right, Randolph, it's a deal. I've always wanted to take you, show you what it's like to have the most exciting experience in a man's life. But you better get a good night's sleep. We'll have to be up by 3.30. Uh, first, I have to go to the movies with Judy and Mother. Movies? Yes, we thought that'd be the best way to keep from bothering you tonight. Oh. We want to be sure you have a good night's sleep before you meet that uh, important customer in the morning. Goodbye, Melvin. We're leaving now. Have a nice time, dear. Do you have everything you want, Father? Oh, I think so. I'm going to read a little while and then go to sleep. Oh, that's fine, dear. Well, we'd better get started. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sleep well, Father. I will, dear. Goodbye. <laughs> now to get on with some really worthwhile reading. The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Chapter 1, page 1. <clears throat> Oh, oh, oh. Wouldn't you know it? Just when I'd got to sleep. Oh, just a minute, just a minute. I'm coming. Don't go down that table. I'm coming, I'm coming. Oh, hello. Father, is that you? Judy, something wrong? Father, I can't talk but a minute because well, it's right in the middle of the movie and I want to get back before I miss the part where Gregory Peck decides that he's been a heel after well, all. Well, Judy, why... I hated to leave it all, but this is the part they showed last week in the trailer, so I guess I can pick up the story all right. Well, that's lovely. Well, was that what you wanted to tell me? Oh, no, Father. Father, you sound like you've been asleep. I have. Oh. Well, the only reason I called was that I thought I should warn you that I'm expecting a call from Mitzi about a place where Oogie can practice. So you better take the phone off the hook. I wouldn't want anything to disturb your sleep. Oh. 14,910 sheep. 14,000 doorbells. Doorbells. <laughs> Oh, can't a man sleep? All right, all right, I'm coming. Don't go down that table. Man tries to get one night's sleep, and what happens? Everything, doorbells, telephones. Well? Hello, Mr. Foster. Oogie Pringle, what are you doing here? Well, I've just been ringing the doorbell. Ha, ha. <laughs> A very 
very good joke, is it, Mr. Foster? No, it certainly is not. Well, you see, if I get the job of playing for the senior prom, I have to be a master of ceremonies, too. I thought I'd better practice a few jokes ahead of time. Well, when you find one, you start practicing it. Uh, well, I thought maybe Judy would be here and would help me. No, she isn't. Oh, gosh, Mr. Foster, were you asleep? Yes, Oogie, I was. Oh, I'm sure sorry if I woke you up. It's all right, Oogie. Any man with a telephone and a doorbell in his house should know better than to think he could get a night's sleep. Well, Mr. Foster, I can fix a doorbell so it can't ring. You can? Sure, it's very simple. You, you just loosen this, and then you pull out this wire and, and push that screw. There, it's fixed for tonight. Frankly, Steinmetz, it looks like it's fixed forever. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Mr. Foster. Hey, well, good night, and sweet dreams. Sweet dreams, Oogie. Uh, well, back to the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And then, breathlessly, Amber looked up at him and smiled. <laughs> She murmured. He looked at her and. What's that noise? Oh, my goodness. Somebody's breaking in. Oh, down, down that table. What's going on down there? Hello, Mr. Foster. Mitzi Hoffman, what are you doing throwing rocks through our windows? Oh, Mr. Foster, I didn't intend to break the window. I thought it was open. I still don't understand why you're going around throwing rocks through our windows. Well, gosh, I just had to get an important message of vital import to Judy. What message? I found a place for Oogie's orchestra to rehearse. Oh, why didn't I just let Oogie come here in the first place? Well, you see, I tried to phone, but the operator said the receiver was off the hook. Yeah, I know. And then I tried the doorbell, but nobody yeah, answered. I see. And I just had to let Judy know before morning. So, you see, I threw the note in her window. All right, Mitzi, all right. I'm sure she'll find it. Golly, Mr. Foster, I, I hope I didn't disturb you. Oh, no, no. I never pay any attention to rocks being thrown through our windows. Uh, were you trying to sleep, Mr. Foster? Yeah, that was the general idea. Oh, well, you see, when my father wants to sleep, he usually stuffs his ears with cotton. Cotton? He does? Yes. You just try it, Mr. Foster. Well, now, that's an idea, Mitzi. I think I will. Why, my father says he couldn't hear anything if all... Mitzi! Uh, if all the fire engines in town let loose at once. Oh. <laughs> Your father says that too, does he, Miss? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, good night, Mr. Foster, and uh, sweet dreams. Oh, yes, yes. Sweet dreams, Mitz. Sweet dreams. <laughs> You know the old saying, two wrongs can't make a right. Yet some folks try to relieve acid indigestion just that way. When they feel all wrong because of acid upset, they start... This is a rebroadcast of The Date with Judy Show, originally heard on April the 9th, 1946. Always neutralize excess acidity with Tums. T-U-M-S, Tums for the tummy. Now, back to A Date with Judy. Well, 
the most wonderful picture you ever saw? Yes, Judy, I certainly enjoyed it. I think it's a shame poor father had to miss it. Poor old father. Sometimes I think we don't appreciate how hard father works. Do you, Randolph? I'll take the next question. Well, here we are. All the lights are out. I guess father's sound asleep. Well, we'll just leave the car right here in the driveway. That garage door makes so much noise. Might wake him up. Yes, let's be very quiet. Well, I'm glad I got a new lock for the front door. At least it won't squeak when we open it. I just thought of something. What, Randall? Wouldn't it be funny if we'd gone to all this trouble to be quiet and, and then Mother had forgotten her key? Randall, what a horrible idea. Don't worry about it, Judy. I have one clear record. I've never forgotten a key in my entire... Oh, dear. What's the matter, Mother? Mother just broke her record. <laughs> Randolph, you're right. Oh, Jeepers, Mother, what do we do? Well, we're not going to disturb your father. Come on, the back door might be open. It's no use, Mother. The door's locked. Randolph, you'll just have to climb through a window. Raffles Foster, they called me in those days. on the first floor is locked. I always wondered what it would be like to be a second story man. Well, there's a ladder in the garage. Randolph, be careful. I think there's a rung in that ladder. Yeah, what, what'd you say, Mother? I said I think there's a rung in that... What? walking my knees. <laughs> now, uh, what were you going to say, Mother? Well, I was just going to say there's a broken rung. You know? And you were so right, Mother. Well, there's nothing else to do. We'll just have to wait on your father. Judy, will you ring the doorbell, dear? All right, Mother. I don't hear any ring, Mother. Well, I just had it fixed. So I know it works perfectly. Oh, we probably just can't hear it outside. I'll try again. This is drama. Randolph. It'll, it'll probably take your father several minutes to get down here. He's never gotten out of bed yet without hitting that night table. It's a wonder he has any toe left. It's a wonder we have any night table left. <laughs> Mother, I don't hear any sounds inside. Oh, dear. Well, try knocking. Maybe the bell is out of order. can't understand your father sleeping through all this racket. He's such a light sleeper. He's always said he could hear a pin drop. Well, here's my Boy Scout pin. I'll drop it. Oh, you know, I'm a little worried. Maybe he's sick or something. Come on, let's call outside his window. Well, that's a good idea. Melvin! Melvin! It's Dora! Father! Father, it's Judy! I'm Randolph. <laughs> No use. He just doesn't hear us. Randolph, that settles it. We sleep in the garage? No. We'll have to call the police. The police? Well, I'm worried. Something might have happened to your father. And I've got to get to him, even if that door has to be broken down. Well, there you are, folks. The door's open. 
And it was such a nice new lock, oh. too. Thank you so much. Now, please wait just a minute till I see if my husband's all right. Oh, Father's all right. I just know he is, Mother. Maybe he went down to see the midnight show at the Bijou. Melvin! Melvin, where are you? There he is, Mother, in bed. Father! Father, are you all right? Melvin, speak to me. Melvin, speak to me. Can't you hear us? Could you if your ears were stuffed with cotton? Cotton? Oh, of all the ridiculous things. Putting cotton in his ear so he couldn't hear me. I'll shake him. That's what I'll do. I'll shake him. What's going on? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. We've just spent two horrible hours trying to waken you to let us in the house. That's all. We huh? shouted our lungs out. Randolph is black and blue where he fell off the ladder. That I am. Then we finally called the police department, woke up all the neighbors, and the new lock on the front door smashed the smithereens. Oh, door, I... And you're lying here with cotton in your ears. Well, I... Is everything all right? Now, that's an interesting question. <laughs> With cotton in his ears. What's that? With... Well, he's all right. Thank you very much for breaking the door open. It's a pleasure. Good night. Nice. Oh, Melvin, it wasn't enough that you took the phone off the hook and disconnected the doorbell. You had to put cotton in your ears, too. Dora, all I wanted was to be sure I got a good night's sleep. Well, all I can say is that to warrant all the trouble he's caused, your customer surely must be important. That he is, Mother. That he is. Randolph. Randolph. Wake up. I can't. Why not? I haven't been asleep. Oh. <laughs> Look, Randolph, we've got to hurry. I've got to stop at the plant. I've got to stop at the plant for my gun. Uh, Father. Yes, Randolph. Couldn't we just make a deal with O'Brien's meat market and buy some ducks? Randolph, what an unsportsmanlike thing to say. Besides, I found out last year he doesn't handle wild ducks. Oh, now, now, dress quietly and we'll slip out the back door. We mustn't waken your mother or Julie. Now, let's see. Here's everything. Shells, decoy whistle, bag to carry the ducks in. Uh, <laughs> Think of anything else we'll need, Randolph? Just some ducks. Randolph. Now, let's see. Here's my gun. Well, yes, we're ready to go. Anyway, I got you covered. What in the name of... Get your hands up and keep them up. But, officer, I'm Melvin Foster. I own this plant. Sure, sure, I know. And you just emptied that safe to have it painted. The safe? Painted? Oh, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, that's right, I did. Shame on you. A big, strong man like you telling a whopper like that to an officer of the law. You should hear the one she tells Mother. Your granddaughter. <laughs> well, now, son, what are you doing here? Well, he's showing me what it's like to have the most exciting experience in a man's life. Oh, so that's it. Training a young kid like you to follow in his footsteps. Now, see here, officer, you're making a big mistake. I tell you why, Melvin Foster. This is my son, Randolph. We're going duck hunting. We stopped off here to get my gun. Why didn't you take your gun home with you? Well, I... I didn't want my wife to suspect I was going. I'll tell you what. I'll call your house, and if you're not there, I'll believe your story. Mm. What if he is there? <laughs> I'm taking him in. You better not be there, Father. <laughs> now, you just tell me the number. Certainly. Elm 360... Oh, what's trouble? I, I just remembered it. It won't do any good to call the house. The, the phone's off the hook. 
I'll tell you what I'll do. We'll drive out there, and if your wife says you're Melvin Foster, we'll forget the whole thing. Well, that's fine. Come on. Uh, Father, I just thought of something. What, Randolph? What are you going to tell Mother? Well, I'll just tell her the... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, come on. Officer, I... I just remembered the doorbell doesn't work. Ah, uh, these are about the feeblest excuses I've ever heard. Well, I... Now, make up your mind. Why for jail? Father, I think you'd better take the jail. <laughs> I'm sorry to wake you up at this hour, but is this Melvin Foster's residence? Yes, it is. Officer, is there anything the matter? Well, I caught a man prowling in your father's plant who says he's Melvin Foster. It's out there in my car. Oh, that's ridiculous. My father's sound asleep upstairs. This man seemed pretty positive. Well, he's mistaken. And now, if you don't mind, I'd be very grateful if you'd go away quietly. My father's likely to hear the noise, and it's absolutely imperative that he not be disturbed. Well, that's that. Mr. Foster? Yes, 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 yes. The young lady says you're upstairs sound asleep. Oh, that's ridiculous. Look, try again. Ask her to go look to see if her father's there. Have a look for me, too. Well, look, let me come with you. Okay, okay. But you're going to be mighty sorry if you are upstairs. Please, I must ask you not to disturb us anymore. Judy, it's me. Father. Me, too. Him, too. Randolph. For goodness sakes, what are you two doing with the policeman? Mother! Yes, Judy, you don't have to wake up your uh, the, the whole neighborhood. Well, what well, on earth is the... Ma- Melvin! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dora. Melvin, what's the trouble? What's this policeman doing here? Well, you see, it was this way. Can you identify these two, Mrs. Foster? Why, of course. It's my husband and my son. Well, then, good night. I'll be on my way. I'm sorry, Mr. Foster. Oh, it's nothing, nothing at all. Goodbye. So long. My, it's uh, certainly a beautiful night, isn't it? It's the loveliest night. Melvin, will you please explain this? Explain? Well, of course, Dora. It's the simplest thing in the world. All right, then go ahead. Well, you see, it was this way. I got to thinking that it... Well, it so happened that... Well, you see, it was all because... uh, Well, I felt that... Well, it was this way. I... You see, Mother? Melvin, you and Randolph had better get a move on if you expect to meet that important customer on the 5.15 train. Oh, yes, that's right. Randolph, it's 4.50. Come on, we'll have to hurry. Goodbye, Dora. Goodbye, Judy. Oh, and Melvin. Uh, Yes, Dora. I've asked both the Emersons and the Hoffmans to dinner, so you'd better bring back plenty of duck. Well, sure, I'll probably bring home at least... (laughs) Why, Dora! Hold on. We'll be back with the Fosters in a moment. Wonderful dinner. I'm glad you liked it, Mitzi. I sure did. It was luscious of your mother to ask me to stay. Yeah, it was nice of her to let me stay, too. I wouldn't have missed that dinner for anything. Did you really enjoy it, Oogie? Did I? Oh, boy, there's nothing I like better than baked beans. Oh, that's good. (laughs) I was a little worried. (laughs) You see, Oogie, mother kind of expected ducks, but you know what they say. The best laid plans of mice and men often go to pop. I'll say. I'll say. I'll say. (laughs) A day 
Judy is written by Aline Wesley and stars Louise Erickson. Randolph is played by Tommy Cook. Mr. and Mrs. Foster are played by John Brown and Myra Marsh. Oogie by Scott Elliott and Mitzi by Sandra Gould. Original music was composed by Paul Sartell and conducted by Konstantin Bakalinikov. The program was produced and directed by Helen Mack. And this is Doug Gourley inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday at the same time to keep your date with Judy. And remember, night and day at home or away, always carry Tom's. T-U-M-S. Dave and Judy will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by a shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.